0: Hello and welcome to another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Each episode we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malafo and the Other Side. A first day on a new job is often a harrowing experience, but for newly recruited guild guards it can be deadly. The guards face everything from organised crime rings to Neverborn monsters, but sometimes Even children's games can turn dangerous. I hope you enjoy Initiation. Initiation by Jason Carr Anthony shook the rain from his grey leather duster and rapped firmly on the heavy wooden door of the guild checkpoint. The sudden downpour continued assaulting the cobblestones and rooftops of the city around him as he impatiently waited for the muffled shuffling inside to reach the door. It opened slowly to reveal a large man dressed similarly to Anthony in a guardsman's uniform. The man did not look happy to see him. Expected you some time ago, Greenhorn. The man said and moved aside, leaving barely enough room for Anthony to slide past and into the post. I missed the street by a few blocks, heavy fog rolling in. Anthony explained while surveying the room. There were two other guards in the station's common room, a thin man with a pockmarked face sitting by a small stove and a woman with short black hair on a bench by a window opposite the door. Her face was hidden by the tin coffee cup she cradled in her hands. The room was dark and uninviting, lit only by the meager glow of the stove and a few oil-burning lamps. Anthony turned around, removed his duster and hung it and his hat on the wall by the door. Name's Tony. Yours? He asked the large guard, who merely stared at him with dark grey eyes and grunted in response. That's Earl, she's Thea, and I'm John. Best come in and warm up before the sergeant calls you in, instructed the thin man. He kicked a wooden chair aside with one rugged boot as a gesture for the new recruit to take a seat. As Tony walked over, the man rummaged in his shirt pocket for some papers and a tobacco pouch. He then began rolling up a cigarette. You smoke? John asked. No, but thanks. I will take some of that coffee if there's some to spare. The yeah. He answered in a tone that was more a command than a request. The woman got up poured full another tin cup, and walked it over to Tony. Hope you like it black, she said, as she dropped it on top of the barrel that served as a table by the sooty, pot-bellied stove. There's no cream or sugar. At least it's hot, Tony replied, and gave her his friendliest smile. But Thea turned back to her seat by the window so quickly that he doubted the woman even saw it. Don't mind them, Tony. Everyone's still a bit shook up is all. Something happened, Tony asked. Earl interrupted before the older guardsman could answer. No need to scare the kid on his first day, John. His feigned concern was evident by his crocodile grin. I'm hardly a kid, retorted Tony. I was a sheriff's deputy for three years back in Hidalgo County, Texas, before I came through the breach. Oh, excuse me, shot back the big man. I reckon you've seen just about everything then. Earl laughed derisively and then crossed the room to knock on the sergeant's door. Sarge, Sheriff Tony's here to see you. He called through the door, mocking the new guardsman. Send him on in, replied a tired voice from behind the door. Earl swept open the door in front of Tony and stepped in behind the younger guard after he had entered. Sergeant Morris sat behind a dark wooden desk, wiping a smudge from his round spectacles. He was easily north of sixty years old, and his appearance implied a good measure of wisdom and experience. His greying hair was tousled from rubbing his temples as he read over a stack of reports. The sergeant motioned toward the chair opposite him. Tony sat. That'll be all, big fella, Morris said in an impatient voice and then flicked his eyes toward the door of the office. He waited until Earl had left, and then pushed back from the desk and stood. Don't let the others get to you, Tony. They're a good crew. Even though that one can be a bit of a horse's arse from time to time, it's normal for them to give the new recruits a bit of grief early on. But don't worry, they'll come around soon enough. It's to be expected, I guess, Tony replied. If I may ask, what was the trouble they were alluding to before? Sergeant Morris exhaled a heavy sigh and fixed his gaze on the new guard before continuing. You're going to hear about it sooner or later, so I won't jerk you around. Some folks have gone missing from lower downtown as of late. One we never found, and the other I wish we hadn't. But you knew the risks when you signed on, right, son? Yes, sir. Good. We do live in Malifaux, after all, and out here near the edge of Lower Downtown and the Western Slums, well, we see a bit more trouble than some other posts. We do our jobs and we keep as safe as possible, understood? Of course. All right, then. You geared up? Yes, I was equipped right after I got my commission at the Guild Enclave. That's good, but let's be thorough here. See ya. The woman entered a few seconds later and waited for her orders. Sergeant Morris instructed Tony to hand over his arms to her for inspection, so he gave her his Collier Rough Rider pistol, holster and ammo belt. She left the room, and Tony sat down again to await the sergeant's next instructions. Weather followed you here, it seems, Morris said as he looked out his window into the dank night. It did, sir? I'm just glad I got in before the worst of it. Well, I'll ask John to take it easy on you, seeing as how it's your first night. Tell him I said you can have the first patrol. Should take you about three hours if you keep moving, and then you can bed down after that. Get some more coffee in you, and head out when you're ready. Morris stood and shook Tony's hand. Welcome to the 41st downtown patrol, he stated, and then returned to his pile of reports. Tony left the small office and met Thea immediately outside. He wondered if she had been listening at the door. Thea handed back his gear and nodded in approval. Checks out just fine. Hope you can handle that piece. Your blade could use some attention, though. Thanks, but I'll be fine. Sarge says I get the first patrol tonight. And that's supposed to be a good thing? She countered, walking back to the warmth of the stove. We call that the witch's walk, son. Explained John. He mashed out his smoke and turned in his chair to face Tony. Starts around midnight and ends about 3am. Not exactly the cheeriest part of the day. John refilled Tony's coffee cup and offered it to him. Thanks. Well, at least I'll be in bed soon. Tony said, trying his best to remain positive. Or dead, Earl said, with a wry smile crawling across his lips. Tony stepped out onto the wooden deck of the guild checkpoint and paused to fasten up the top three buttons of his duster. He pulled on his wide-brimmed hat before turning to face Thea, who had followed him out. Looks like the rain has stopped. Might be my lucky night after all, he quipped, his spirit starting to rise with the improvement in the weather. Don't count on it, Thea answered, and pushed him squarely in the chest. Tony stumbled backwards and had to grasp out for the handrail to keep from landing on his backside in the mud and muck of the sodden street. Friendly bunch, he muttered, as he turned up his collar against the damp night air and began his patrol. Heard that? Fear called after him, before barking out more orders. Head due south until you reach the edge of the slums. Do not go in there. Turn west from that point and skirt the edges of the slums. Complete a wide perimeter around our position, and then head back in. If you see anything, get back as quick as you can for backup. Don't try to be a hero, rookie. The last few words seemed distant to Tony as he continued walking away. The heavy fog had already filled in the gap between them, and it dulled her voice even more. Most of the all-too-few gaslights in this part of town were thankfully still burning, and Tony felt the sensation of moving from one island of light and safety and into the next between episodes of darkness and fear. He even took up the habit of crisscrossing the streets as he went, traveling back and forth to chart the shortest course between working lamps. He told himself he was being foolish, but sometimes it was the foolish who survived. The streets were quiet, nearly silent. The rain had driven most of the residents indoors, and every house seemed to say, go away, with its closed and often barred shutters. As he walked his patrol, Tony noticed that the working gaslights grew fewer and fewer in number as he neared the edge of the slums. There was no clear line of demarcation that signaled the end of lower downtown and the advent of the western slums, so he was forced to use his judgment. Tony did not want to turn back too early, however. It was important to him to do a thorough job on his first night. He certainly did not want to incur the goads and insults of his colleagues back at the post. After a few more blocks had passed, and the majority of the domiciles had reduced in stature to nothing more than mere shacks and hovels, Tony turned his steps westward. The roads here were mostly mud, and he was happy to again hear his boots clacking against the cobblestones of the streets of lower downtown. The rhythm was the only sound to be heard, and Tony found it soothing. The night sky above was pitch black, and he could scarcely make out the rooftops above him. It was an unsettling thought to wonder about what could be lurking just above. But his sense of duty coupled nicely with his growing paranoia to keep him stepping lively and on pace for his patrol. Tony knew that if he kept out of the slums and continued to turn right every few blocks, that he would eventually end up to the north of the guild checkpoint and be roughly halfway done with his vigil. He had been walking for an hour, but it felt like ages. The uncertain boundary of the slums undulated through the city like a worm, and he soon found himself out of sorts. He pondered knocking on a door to ask about his current position, but could never quite swallow his pride enough to do so. The thickening fog engulfed him as he paused on the street to consider his options. Tony's heart leapt suddenly as he heard an iron signpost squeak overhead. The wind had kicked up and caused it to sway back and forth just a few feet from his position. Get a hold of yourself, Greenhorn. He chided himself, looking at the swinging wooden sign. Briefly, he cursed the other guards for not doubling up with him on patrol, especially since he didn't know his way around yet. With his courage returned, Tony started moving again. He decided to stick to his plan and to trust his instincts. Surely that would see him out of the gloom soon enough. However, after he had taken but a few steps, he clearly heard another set of footfalls approaching from the opposite side of the street. He paused and strained his eyes to see, but there were no gaslights burning ahead, and the one nearest him was dimly lit. Tony believed he could just make out a figure through the darkness, watching him from its position. Hello, he called out. It's not safe to be out tonight. The figure did not respond or even acknowledge his words. Tony advanced down his side of the street warily. Suddenly a figure lunged out of the shadows to his left, grappling him. The arms were massive and had him held fast. He stomped down hard on the foot of his assailant, causing the attacker to grunt in pain. Tony then dropped to his knees, and his rain slickened duster allowed him to slip through the hold. He rolled, drew his pistol, and came up, aiming to kill, but stopped short. The man was wheezing in laughter so hard that he could barely manage to wave Tony off. You'd have shot him dead, came a familiar voice from across the street. Tony knew it was Thea and Earl, his assailant, continued chortling until he was blue in the face. Of course you'd have needed these, she said, and handed Tony a handful of rounds. He didn't need to check his gun to feel the missing weight of the bullets. John, too, stepped out of the shadows and looked apologetic. Sorry, son, we kept tabs on you the whole time. All in good fun, you know. He clapped Earl on the back and guided him away, The big man was still too amused with himself to speak any coherent words, and the two sauntered back in the direction of the checkpoint. You can't be serious, thundered Tony at the smiling Thea. Relax, rookie, she chided. You're not the first new guardsman to be given a good scare. They did the exact same song and dance number on me when I was assigned to this post three months ago. Thea took his pistol from him and slowly loaded the bullets back into the chamber. She gave it a fast spin before flicking it closed and engaging the safety. See? Good as new and no harm done. Come on, I'll finish the patrol with you, and maybe we'll plot a little revenge along the way, do you? Thea actually gave Tony a sly wink and tugged on his arm to get him moving again. Maybe it was just all in good fun, he thought. The smirk on Thea's face lasted for another half hour or so, before tiredness and the grimness of the malafoe night took it away. The pair had talked quietly but amicably for most of that time, and Tony grew to appreciate her company. Thea pointed out several of the patrol route's landmarks along the way until the fog grew so thick that they could barely even see one another. The street lamps were now little more than glowing orbs in the distance. The grey fog swirled in front of their faces, and wet tendrils of it formed and then dissipated around them as they moved through the now still night air. I've never seen such a night, Thea remarked, and Tony nodded in agreement. I think we should head back. I can't even make out the street signs any longer. Did we pass Dua Street yet? You're asking me? Tony replied, not trying to joke with her, but genuinely surprised that she would ask him directions in the oppressive melancholy surrounding them. Out of the corner of his eye, Tony saw a small figure dart past him in the fog. He nudged Thea. Did you see that? See what? The figure darted by again, slapping Tony's back as it went past. Tag, you're it! The sound of giggling trailed behind it as it disappeared into the fog. It's just a kid, Tony whispered to Thea. Hey, little guy, it's not safe out here this time of night. Follow the sound of my voice, we'll get you somewhere warm. Thea grabbed Tony's arm. What the hell are you doing? She hissed. The confusion was clear on Tony's face. My job? We need to get that kid somewhere safe. What kind of kid is out in the middle of the night, in fog like this, and just decides to play tag with a stranger? Even if it is a kid, the street runts around here would gladly gut you for the scrip in your pockets, and we'd be lucky if that's all it is. From up ahead, there was a wet thud, and then a terrified scream that choked off into gurgling noises. Tony lifted his head and started running towards the sound. Wait! Thea shouted after him, but it was too late. As he ran, the fog cleared, as if some unseen hand parted it before him. Tony turned into the alley where the sound had come from and bent low to examine the cobblestones. What is it? Thea asked as she caught up. That looked like blood to you, he asked, holding his index and middle finger up to her to examine. The crimson smear stood out plainly against the dull beige leather of his gloves. Yes, and it belongs to whoever screamed, I'd guess. And more smeared on the wall just ahead, said Tony, pointing deeper into the alley. A bloody handprint glistened about three feet up the side of an abandoned apothecary shop. On the ground as well. Drops of it leading away. Someone must have gotten pre-banged up, answered Thea. We should keep moving. She grabbed Tony by the arm and turned to pull him back into the street. Hang on, we should look into this. He protested, drawing a tepid glare from his partner. We'd do best to just make a report, Tony. Not much we can do in this weather, even if it is clearing up. We can come back and take up the trail at first light. Thea began to leave the alley. Tony nodded solemnly and turned away. As the pair retreated the way they had come, the fog surrounded them again, as if punishing them for turning away. Does this seem like natural fog to you? Tony asked. Thea started to shake her head, but then realized Tony probably couldn't see it. No, no it doesn't. The patter of small feet smacking cobblestones sounded in the air, and this time both guards drew their pistols. Mister, I tagged you, you're supposed to chase me, a squeaky voice called out. It's not a good time for games, kid, Tony shouted. Fine then, this time the voice was right behind him. We'll try hide and seek. There was a searing pain in Tony's left leg before he heard the sound of scampering feet running away from him. Tony grimaced and reached down before lifting his gloved hand to his face so he could see. The little bastard stabbed me. It's just a flesh wound, but he stabbed me. Tony stumbled on his bad foot and lost sight of fear in the gloom. I warned you, fear hissed. We need to get out of this damn fog. Her voice resonated in the air, and Tony couldn't tell which direction it was coming from. Tony struggled to hobble towards her voice when he saw another child suddenly appear not 20 feet away, the fog parting before her. Her long but tangled and greasy hair hung heavily from her downturned head. The mist swirled eerily around the girl, making her pass in and out of sight. Each time she appeared, Tony believed that she had moved toward him ever so slightly. Tony! Thea called out in a hushed voice. It's really time to get out of here! I think you might be right, partner. He answered sarcastically. Tony froze as soon as he turned to leave. Another child had crept up without a sound. His gaze fixed intently on Tony's every move. His eyes were as black as the cold night, and his wicked smile was twisted and cruel. The child pulled a filthy, jagged knife from his belt and pointed the tip at Tony while taking a few limping steps closer. Tony caught the form of the girl to his right again before the fog claimed her and she was gone. Tony raised his revolver and pointed it at the advancing boy. I was only trying to help, he explained. We don't need no help, answered a dry, grating voice from behind. Tony felt a searing pain slash across the back of his knee. He immediately dropped and grabbed the wound, his gloved hand filled with a warm gush of his own blood. A third child sheathed his dagger and ran away down the street faster than Tony thought possible. He raised his pistol to squeeze off a shot after him, but was hit from behind by another blow. Another knife cut deep into his shoulder, and he called out in pain. The other boy had struck and disappeared quickly into the mist before Tony could react. He was caught in a murderous game. Tony was pulled up by the strong grip of his fellow guardsmen. Thea had found him in the gloom and threw his right arm over her shoulder and took him around the waist with her left, leaving her gun hand free to shoot. Tony struggled to stand, and each step stung like a fresh cut to his flesh. Come on, rookie, Thea commanded. We ain't playing their game any longer. On the right, Tony called out, as the girl in the mist appeared again. Thea paused and quickly popped off two shots that looked to be right on the mark. But when the fog parted again, they saw the girl running away unscathed and laughing gaily. We have to keep moving, Thea said as she tried to haul Tony down the street. Tony thought they had lost their pursuers when small hands took Tony from behind and dragged him to the ground. Thea lost her grip on her partner and fell forward. She looked back in time to see one of the wretched creatures plunge its corroded blade into his leg yet again. Tony howled out in pain, but he was learning the game. He struck out with his right hand in the opposite direction from which the attack had come. Tony felt a satisfying crunch as the butt of his pistol punched squarely into the face of the murderous child. The boy staggered back and collapsed, blood and black bile pouring from his shattered mouth and nose. Thea reached out and took Tony's hand to pull him to his feet. He stood for a moment before crashing to the ground hard. I can't, Thea. They've hamstrung me. He explained. Then crawl if you have to, damn it. She ordered. But Tony knew it was impossible to make it to safety in his condition. You'd better go ahead. I'll buy you some time. Tony sat up and turned to face the direction from which the attack had come. Pistol raised. Go on and hurry. He screamed at her and began firing his collier wildly into the encroaching fog. Thea heard chittering laughter from all around them, and knew Tony was right. She ran back the way they had come, one pistol at the ready in each hand. As she advanced, she could make out two of the nightmarish figures awaiting her approach, one to each side of the street. Thea had learned from Tony's example, and fired not where she saw them, but where they would likely go. She shot dead straight to clear a path directly ahead of her, and her bullets found purchase, leaving the nearby building smeared with oily black blood and the crumpled forms of two undead children slumped on the ground. Thea gave one last look toward the direction Tony should be and could see nothing but the black of night and the unending swirl of the grey mist. It was oddly silent after the final report of Tony's pistol faded out. Poor bastard. Thea wheezed as she turned a corner and made for the safety of the guild checkpoint. That's it for another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.